Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these families? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Brad Gray, and I'm joined by Roxanne Saladin, my co-host this morning. Good morning to you, Roxanne. Good morning to you and everyone out there in the listening area. We're happy to be here and bringing the show to you today and you being with us. So thank you for being here. On this uh, Spy Wednesday of of Holy Week, what a... (laughs) What an amazing week it is, huh? Yes, yeah. Uh, I was just saying before we started the show, Holy Week has so many emotions, mm, you know, just yeah. highs and lows and everything in between. And the older I get, the more deeply I go into all of those. Mm-hmm. So it's it's exciting and it daunting. <laughs> yeah, it's always uh, it's always fascinating to see where the Lord brings us during this time. Yes, definitely. Well, let's, let's bring uh, ourselves before the Lord as we begin this show. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we glorify you that you have sent your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior, that he is our model of life, of holiness, of love, our model of self-gift. And during this Holy Week, we pray that our hearts may be broken wide open, that we may receive all that you have for us, that we may taste heaven um, as you call, call us to it, even, even now here on earth, that we may be brought into your kingdom and that we may become your disciples more perfectly. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit upon our conversation this morning, that we may be made receptive to all that you desire to share with us. And we pray this all through the loving care of Our Lady as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Aaron, good morning to you. Aaron's on the other side of the glass. <laughs> good morning. How are you guys doing in this Doing morning? great. Great. It's, uh, it's not sunny like it was yesterday. That was amazing. But no, uh, you know, we are in Holy Week, I guess. We could take a little bit of <laughs> gloom tears. and dreariness. Yes. <laughs> so what's on the slate for today, Aaron? Absolutely. We have a sh- fun show lined up for you guys. We'll be talking with Emmerich Erickson about his beautiful journey back to the Catholic Church. We look forward to hearing his story in this first hour. After that, Monsignor Gregory Schlesemann will be taking your comments and questions during our Straight Talk call-in segment. We want to hear from you, the listeners. Then in the second hour, we will hear from Christy Collins of the Bismarck Diocese to hear how one way we can praise God for the gift of life. And Father Nick Nelson of the Diocese of Duluth, we want to hear about the beauty of the sacred music and an upcoming workshop that will help you learn more about the music in the liturgy. All this coming up right here on Real Presence Live. Back to you guys. Love it. Thanks so much, Aaron. Well, well I love a good conversion story, don't yeah, you, Brad? It's powerful. You know, I work with RCIA at St. Mary's Cathedral here in Fargo. I've been doing that for 17 or 18 years now, and it's always so powerful, so moving. This, well, certainly this time of week, especially as mm-hmm. you see uh, people preparing to enter into full communion with the Lord, to be baptized, um, to be confirmed if they were Catholics that were never confirmed and made their first Holy Communion. It's just such such an exciting and rich time 
And uh, it's, it's great that we are going to have the opportunity to, to launch this show by discussing that sort of thing. I believe we have Emmerich this morning. Are you with us, Emmerich? He's oh. coming. He's coming. Emmerich's on the way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because this is the first year my family and I are going to all go to the Easter Vigil. We haven't all done that. That hasn't yeah. been our tradition. Really? Well, we grew up traveling yeah. during Easter. I didn't really, I know I'm a lifelong Catholic and I'm just really, really, as, as an adult, learned about when my husband came into the church, mm. actually. That was my first Easter Vigil. And I just absolutely love it. So, um, you know, that's yeah. the night where we welcome all those yeah, converts. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Easter Vigil is is so awesome. We've I, My family's gone for the last 17 years because of my work with RCIA. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got seven kids from 21 down to one year old that just celebrated her birthday on Sunday, her Mm -hmm. first birthday. And so all the kids have gone to the Easter Vigil, which is just, you know, absurdly late, Mm -hmm. but they love Mm -hmm. it. Every year they long for the Easter Vigil, and and then we have a big party afterwards. It goes until one or two in the morning. So uh, it's (laughs) it's just kind of mayhem and chaos, but a beautiful sort. Powerful. Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Well, I believe we have Emmerich now. Good morning to you, Emmerich. Good morning. Thanks so much for being on with us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we look forward to hearing uh, about your journey back home, but first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm uh, 33 years old. I uh, live in Milner, North Dakota. I'm a single father of two little boys, ages three and five years old. Um, I'm a cradle Catholic at St. John the Baptist in Wyoming, North Dakota. Excellent. So can you share a little bit of your family background and how it ties to your faith walk, Emmerich? Well, I have, over the past few years, I've had an extraordinary journey. On uh, April 1st, 2017, my wife at the time uh, left myself and my two boys, and her leaving sort of marked the culmination of 15 years of godless living for me. Mm. I, um, I, I, I didn't really know how to reconcile the events that were all transpiring before me. I found out that I was uh, in much worse financial condition than I had thought when she left. She left me with, obviously, these two boys, which... You know, I'm happy to take, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I wasn't necessarily happy to take. I'm happy to take all of the unpaid bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the unpaid bills being she wasn't even so much as paying our payment on our house that we had a Oof. beautiful home on uh, in here in Milner, and uh, so she uh, so. Two months later, I, we were essentially evicted out of our house because we didn't, we hadn't made any payments in several months to there. Mm. And being evicted, we were supposed, and this is on June first or so of of 2017. And being evicted, I had these one year old and a three year old, and she had a she and I'm and I can't all blame it on her because I I was living a godless life as well, mm-hmm. and. We had so much, so many things, and so many, just everything. We, uh, well, I hit a point. I had, I had kind of an inflection point. My one-year-old son fell down the stairs mm. while we were moving, and I'm sitting there holding my crying son 
and looking out at the two 53-foot van trailers full of stuff, and I, 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 I wanted to just throw it all in the trash. I just mm-hmm. was completely overwhelmed by that situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we, you know, I knew we had so much stuff. Um, we uh, we moved. I, I knew we couldn't move into like a apartment because we had so much stuff, and so I moved into a commercial building which I owned here in downtown Milner, which had ample space for putting boxes and things like that. But it's not really set up for a home. Yeah. So uh, for the duration of that summer, my boys and I. You know, slept on air mattresses on a concrete floor amongst boxes in a commercial building. Mm. Oh, man. Right now, my heart is just, as a mother, I'm just, like, going out to you and just, I can't imagine those little ones. They're so little, and they need, need their mama, you know, at that yeah. point. And to, to, to think of what you must have been going through just... It just rips at me, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to. I have to say, I, I t- it totally resonates with me, um, the American. That I've I've been through a similar thing. My my wife left me. I had two little girls, and uh, they were two and a half years old and eleven months. And uh, it was it was. Uh, I, I understand how you know heart wrenching uh, that is, and and so I'm very yeah. sorry for what you've gone through. Yeah, it was. It was it was a troubling time, that's for sure. So you're you're in a, a commercial building with the little boys and a bunch of boxes mm-hmm. on the concrete floor. What what where did things go from there? Well, we were having, you know, I still had sporadic contact with my ex-wife, mm-hmm. um, but then it came to a point in February of of 2018. I. Uh, I found out, I just, I had gotten some news that there was, and without going into particulars, she, there was no reconciling of this marriage. It was, it was done. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point, I, uh, I, I'd already kind of been listening to my mom and uh, hearing my mom talk about her, all of her faith things that she does. And it made me interested in going back to church. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, she, I was quickly reminded that the first thing I had to do was go to confession. And so uh, we had a new priest, Father Simonson, who was mm-hmm. new to our parish. And uh, so that's exactly what I did. And and uh, as penance, he gave me uh, the, the serenity prayer card to pray mm-hmm. over. And uh, I remember coming home, and this was another inflection point for me, I would say it's um, the point where I went from where where I actually asked for mercy, and but I I uh, I knelt down on the cement floor looking at the pallet racking of all the stuff, and I and I felt like I kneeled there for thirty minutes, but being cement, it could have been only ten. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I uh, I prayed that that prayer card for ten minutes or thirty minutes, and it. Yeah, that was a that was a moment that really kind of spurred me on. I'm just curious. Did you have memories of growing up Catholic and some positive things? What what 
what do you think caused you to, to, I mean, I can kind of guess cause we all, there's a lot of us that go mm-hmm. through that, mm-hmm. but what do you mm-hmm. think kind of made you depart from, from whatever goodness was there? <clears throat> well, uh, my mom is a beacon of faith. Un- unfortunately for my mom uh, and myself, she well, she, was, she was married to... My, my father was not a... did not venerate the Catholic Church at all. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, my, mm-hmm. first, my first communion was exactly marked by an episode of violence. And then there was... But that was my last day at church for almost 25, 20 years. Mm-hmm. How old were you at that was, point, Emmerich? I was in third grade. Okay, wow. So, but, so were you? Yeah. Did you go through religious education at that point? You didn't were confir- confirmed or any of the, any of the receiving yep. the other sacraments? No, I didn't get any of the other sacraments. I I, I went to first communion and then and first confession at mm-hmm. that time, and and then uh, because you know I just. Family circumstances arose that uh, pushed me out or pulled me out, really. <laughs> you know. So, so now you're you're about you're about to receive confirmation, right? Is it you've been going through the process to be to be received or mm-hmm. to receive confirmation? Is that right? Yeah, Father Simonson was he, he uh, facilitated what he called inquiry class, mm-hmm. um, and so there was actually myself and I was amongst a lot of confirmed. Catholics, and they didn't even realize that they were sitting in on my confirmation class. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we uh, yeah we've been studying, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being confirmed here on the Easter Vigil this week. That's awesome. Yeah, we're talking with Emmerich Erickson. He is a convert back to the Catholic faith. Um, and we're just hearing his conversion story here. And this is Roxanne Solonen, and I'm here with my host, Brad Gray, here on Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us, and thank you again, Emmerich. So uh, what are you thinking about? What is going through your heart as you're getting prepared to be fully immersed, merged into the Catholic faith? Well... Certainly, receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are things that we as adults need to have. I, I mean, living a godless life, unconfirmed. I wish I would have. I look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit over the fifteen years prior to that culminating point of misery. Uh, wow, I wish I could have had some of that. Mm. And uh, and so I, I'm really looking forward to. To, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit in that way, and and on top of that, though, in a more uh, just lay sense, uh, I want to be able to help within the church a little bit more, hmm. and so that's that's something I really look forward to doing as well. So, as you've been studying for confirmation, are there certain things that have been grabbing you? What have what have you been uh, reading, or what have you been learning about? <clears throat> uh, Father Simonson, he leads the way. Hmm. I. Uh, I take the term father uh, very seriously, actually, and I, I, when he when he, when he says his homilies or he's giving uh, counsel to me or to just a group or all depending, he take I take what he says and I and I even expound on it on my own. I I, I read. Read prayers. I learn prayers, and sometimes if I learn a prayer and I have extra time, I'll even learn it back in another language or something. Hmm. And uh, or I, you know, watch movies and 
it's uh there's it's so the the faith is so connected all around the world and when you can really connect the dots and the it's there's a lot to learn and so it's a wonderful thing to kind of put into the central focus of your life I just want to say thank you for hearing God's voice and I just think of your little boys and and the graces they'll be given through your faith um the a, a holy father a father grasping to Christ is is a beautiful thing and it's very powerful in the mm-hmm. lives of children so I think we Brad would probably agree. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I guess hey, Emmerich, um as a guy who's been through this. Now, my ex-wife retained custody and so I just have visitation with the kids and so I made a point of mm-hmm. throughout their whole childhood, you know, it was 20 years that they um that they were growing up and I wasn't able to be the kind of father I wanted for them. And uh, so I just regularly every day entrusted them to the heavenly father. And my mm-hmm. oldest daughter shared with me about a year ago or a year and a half ago that she has such an amazing relationship with God the Father, and she credits me um, entrusting her to the Father. And so I just encourage you to do that with Our Lady for, for your, your sons, you know, to, to hand them over to Mary so that they can know the love of a mother that's just perfect and unconditional. There's, yeah, there's so much wisdom in the words you said there. It, uh, it, it's not about me. So I, my wife is completely disconnected from my situation. I I don't even we don't even know where she lives. Mm. Mm. However, I'll say this: we pray for her every single yeah. night, mm. and that's critical. Eric, that's yeah. that's awesome. What a beautiful journey that you are on, and the Lord God will be with you every step of the way. Uh, we're going to have to step away for a quick break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to be have a, having a conversation with uh, Monsignor Gregory Schlossman, or I should say, you'll be having a conversation with Monsignor Gregory Schlossman. It's going to be our straight talk segment, so get ready, your, get ready with your questions and comments for Monsignor Gregory Schlossman as we uh, return after this break with more Real Presence Live. God bless. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you want your business's message to be heard by a dedicated audience during one of our biggest on-air fundraisers of the year? Tune in to the RPR Network for our Spring Live Drive, which runs Wednesday, May 8th through Friday, May 10th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. It's a family reunion as we bring you great stories of how the Lord has touched the people you know through Catholic Radio. To become a sponsor of the Spring Live Drive, contact me, Brett Byler, by calling 605-670-8333. Tune in for special programming throughout Holy Week and the beginning of Easter. Beginning Holy Thursday, you'll hear many special programs, including Stations of the Cross with Mother Angelica, Solemn Mass of the Lord's Supper live from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., the Commemoration of Our Lord's Passion live from Rome with Pope Francis, the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday Masses from Rome and the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and many other Holy Week meditations and retreats. Prayerfully enter our special Holy Week and Easter programming, Thursday, April 18th through Monday, April 22nd. Rapid City Catholic Schools welcomes you to the 39th Annual Mayfest Auction and Dinner Saturday, May 4th at the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center's LaCroix Hall starting at 5 p.m. The event's theme is An Evening in Paris, and there will be a live and silent auction with hundreds of great items where all registered bidders will be entered in a drawing for one student to receive one year of free tuition. Event tickets are $65. For more information, contact Liz at 605-348-1477. Rochester Catholic Schools welcomes you to an all-new Hearts of Gold. 
Friday, April 26, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the brand new Hilton in downtown Rochester. The event's theme is Cirque in the City, and there will be a cocktail party atmosphere with cuisine available at several unique food stations, plus a VIP hour at 5.30. Individual tickets and host table options are available by visiting rcs.com mn.org backslash hearts of gold. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now back to more Real Presence Live. And we want to thank you for listening to the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live with your co-hosts, Brad Gray and Janine Bitson. Well, Janine, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm jumping It's okay. On. <laughs> She's a friend. So. <laughs> Janine's, uh, Roxanne Salonen, I'm sorry. I'm, Janine is my co- usual co-host. Yes, and I just, I'm feeling it. force today. of habit. Got Roxanne, <laughs> although we've, we've hosted together yes, before we as have. well. It's been a while, but yep. yes, it's good to be back together. And, you know, it's a kind of a cloudy day today well here in Fargo anyway maybe yeah, not yeah. everywhere in the listening area but it's a good day to be inside listening to the radio doing whatever you do in the office yeah, you know yeah and we're happy that you're with us because we we need people with us absolutely <laughs> and you know it's it was a great um segment this this first segment with Emmerich uh sharing about how he's found a renewal in his faith through tragedy mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think you know so for, for example um we're we're on the global scale, we're seeing the whole thing with Notre Dame, right? Mm. That you think of all the families there that have lost their home of faith, mm-hmm. right? And um, and how, what that experience is like for them as they enter into Holy Week, you right. know, yes. the, the place that uh, that they've grown up their whole lives and that they've encountered the Lord uh, is is no longer there, and you know, it's it's just it's a beautiful testament to us that Jesus is with us even when the situations are not the way that we would have drawn them up. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, One of the things I was thinking about yesterday, I'm in a faith-sharing group, and, and we were reflecting on Holy Week, and I realized one of the things as Christians that, that God is a God of surprises. Mm-hmm. And even in the darkness of what happened with Notre Dame and other things in our lives, there's this, there's this little part of me that kind of wants to say, well, just wait. There's mm-hmm. going to be some things here. You know, it's like you grieve and mm-hmm. you mourn and you can't believe it. And the whole world is kind of there. And that's just a powerful thing. But then I think as Christians, we have this little hope burning inside of us that, okay, just wait. And then you start hearing the stories. You start yeah. hearing about how the crown of thorns was saved and this, this mm-hmm. brave chaplain went in and, you know, did that and, yeah. and saved the Eucharist and, and, and that the Pieta and, and the cross are still standing there. It didn't affect the whole wow. sanctuary. A lot of it was upper. And so there, there are things that are uh, being retained and saved. And again, that cross now is being shared everywhere, that, that cross that was saved in the sanctuary. Yeah. yeah. And you're seeing that on Rolly, Rolling Stones magazine oh, I saw okay. on the cover. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know that. I, I think we can be expectant. We can we can go through this grieving and this difficulty through Holy Week as we journey with our Lord. Yeah. And then we can also, I think the resurrection is always out there. So right. that happens every day in little ways. And isn't that what Holy Week is all about, really? I mean, you have this this strange paradox, right, where you have the Messiah who's come and 
the people of Israel have been waiting for centuries, millennia, for for the promised Savior um, to come, and and finally he's on the scene. He's collected his his band of of disciples, and he's going around preaching and healing and working miracles. And then the next thing you know, the guy's dead. And mm-hmm. I've I've thought before about how hmm. the despair of the disciples seems to have. There's no greater justification for despair than that what the disciples might have felt there because it's like we have for our entire um, social history been waiting for this man and all of a sudden he's dead now. There's not supposed to be a second Messiah. This is the guy who is supposed to bring salvation to us all and it's all leveled. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like there is nothing to hope for here and yet in the midst of the rubble, you see this this new life spring forth. And I think that is that's the message of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Is right it's it's never the way we draw it up. Right. Right. Life never goes the way that we plan it to go. And um and oftentimes we're frustrated by that. We're, think we're about Emmerich's story yeah, that exactly. you just gave. Exactly. Speaking of the rubble and the hopelessness, I'm sure that was there in, in that moment where yeah. his child was hurt and he's seen all these things go away and you know, you, you, there's a moment there. It's true grief. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I, I know just it like very the well, disciples yeah. did not. They didn't know. They yeah. didn't understand the prophecy, and so. And and yet through that, the Lord has drawn Emmerich close, and now his boys have a family situation where they're going to have the opportunity to meet Jesus exactly. as they're growing up. Right. You know, to come to know him, where that wasn't perhaps the reality. And it, you know, divorce. These tragedies are never something that you rejoice over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not something you you long for. But you see how God is potent. He's powerful mm-hmm. in the midst of tragedy. Did and, you have a moment, Brad, when you kind of had that awakening, or, or was your faith oh, strong? I mean, it was, so I had I had begun um, recovering my faith. Actually, it was my ex-wife who got me back into the practice of the faith, and so it was a whole new awakening of. Uh, faith, but you know, this all happened for me when I was 23 years old, and um, I was now divorced with two kids at the age of 23. And honestly, I felt like life was over. Mm-hmm. I, I I remember mm-hmm. thinking, I know mm-hmm. that I'll be happy again somehow, someday, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine how. Mm-hmm. And it was years mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. um, blind reliance mm-hmm. upon the Lord to to bring me to a point where there was new life again. And it was a gradual process. I wouldn't say that there was a moment where all of a sudden there was this, this awakening, but it was, it was a gradual process of allowing him to heal the hurt and, and to continue to bring that, that newness of life out of it. And it's, it's something that looking back now, you know, a couple decades later, I can see uh, how incredibly fruitful it's been in my life. And not only for myself and my family, but in so many of the other people I work with in the Office of Marriage and Family Life, mm. being able to to share that experience um, has been really, really powerful in ways that I never would have anticipated. Wow. That's, I mean, just that new life, you know, mm-hmm. every day. And, and just, I, I, I can't imagine going through that. And what I notice in you, Brad, is just this this life, this life-giving presence. Mm-hmm. And so to think that you were in that place of darkness is, is uh, I think, a testimony for, for all that are feeling despair today. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the reality is it's, it's nothing unique to the person, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Jesus is there for every one of us at every moment of our life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he seems very, very far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we feel so alone. And I think that's the biggest 
hurdle in the spiritual life is that we are so inclined to give in to that sense of isolation. Like it's just me and mm. I can't, I can't handle this. I, I have a son who's a sophomore at Shanley yeah. and they watched the passion of the Christ this week. And mm. he, one of the things he said, I don't know if it came out of that. He said, mom, the things that we go through during Holy week are actually really happening. It's like time, you know, we're, we're in that moment. It's not actually, you know, in the past we're, we're going through that. So I just challenge people this week as they're going through Holy week to realize that Christ is actually real and alive and with us right there. When we venerate the cross, it's mm-hmm. actually as if we're really there with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that we're going to go through. It's not something outside of time. It's mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. He wanted to give that to us. And that's, that's the Eucharist, you know, yeah, to remind us of his constant presence and grace. Yeah. So. And, and to recognize that, that, you know, especially again, through, Holy Week, through the Stations of the Cross that we pray during uh, Lent especially, to see that um, the Lord only allows the sufferings that we experience for the sake of joy. I mean, he, he simply does not permit anything that is not going to be fruitful for us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I'd had kind of that awakening of faith uh, before before the whole divorce thing. But it was, so it gave me a kind of a rock to stand on saying, Jesus, don't let me waste this. And right. that was my prayer during that time, is I know that there's, there's a fruitfulness here that you intend this for, for joy, um, but just don't let me get so, uh, you know, to wallow so in this misery that I don't let you work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a, a really fruitful prayer for me throughout that whole time. And, and God will bring people into your life when you, even when you just pray help. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a simple prayer, but absolutely. a good, powerful prayer. Good morning, Monsignor Schlesselman. So we have the good <laughs> Monsignor Gregory Schlesselman here. We're always so excited. Um, are you there? <laughs> we on the air. We're on the air. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> surprise. See, I got a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Surprise. You're on the air. <laughs> good morning, America. <laughs> exactly. So we are actually now in our straight talk segment. You hear it? There it goes. That's the phone line. And that could be your phone line for uh, getting on the line to talk with Monsignor Gregory Slussman with Straight Talk. This is a great time for you to call in with your questions, your comments, what you're experiencing during Holy Week, um, what you're looking forward to with the celebration of Easter, how this Lent has been for you. There's any um, number of topics or, or um items that we could discuss. So be mm-hmm. sure to call in at one 795 122 That's 877-795-0122. Or you can submit your questions or comments for Monsignor Schlossman on Facebook. And the best part of this all is you don't have to spell a Schlossman. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He loves it when I say that. <laughs> Actually, when I was writing that on Facebook last night to let people know about this show, it, it like gave me the spell check for your name. I didn't even have to like look it up or Wow, anything. look at that. Yeah, so you're in. You're I'm in the, the autocorrect. You're part of the lexicon. <laughs> the English lexicon. Oh, my. Well, Monsignor, welcome, formally. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Good We're so happy. Here. So now you, I imagine Holy Week here is going to be a time of uh, wonderful chaos, right? For yes, wonderful- it is. It's a full week. and uh, But it's a, it, as you say, it's a wonderful week. There's mm-hmm. so much so much opportunity to, to re-experience or more deeply experience the love of Christ and... Uh, and to recognize what he has done for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity also because I think in people's hearts and imaginations they, and memories, they, they have, they're drawn more deeply to, 
to to the life of the church, mm-hmm. and so it's a great opportunity for us to really welcome people, uh, in especially those who've been gone for for a time, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah who, who've not recognized as in the ordinariness of daily life how important Jesus is to them. So, mm-hmm. and that was our first seg- segment mm-hmm. with Emmerich. He, um, sharing how he had uh, been away from the faith for a long time and through tragedy kind of came back to uh, encountering the Lord Jesus and, and recognizing the critical place in his life that Jesus had. So, Monsignor, um, I, I, first of all, I want to invite callers again to call in with your questions for Monsignor Gregory Slosselman or um, call in with a comment. And, you know, it would be a great time to even say what, uh, what Lent has been like for you, what you're looking forward to with Easter. But, Monsignor, we have our first uh, comment or question on Facebook. Rose on Facebook asks, can you help me? I am writing a paper on defending the presence of God. I know there is a God. I've seen his miracles, but I don't know how to prove it without sounding silly. I need to validate what I've witnessed, and I don't know how to do that. Monsignor, you're mm. the guy for this. Yikes. Fundamental theologian. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, well, there's a lot of different approaches that you could appro- use to defend the presence of God. Um, you can go up based on a philosophical approach mm-hmm. you could use uh, experiential in the sense that you could um, draw attention to a person's experience of life and that might be actually one of the most helpful because that's a universal thing people experience the goodness of life in so many ways and just to invite them to wonder about well where does that come from what's the origin of those good things you know just common things like mm-hmm. sunshine and you know the the weather warming up mm-hmm. and you know a good meal friendship there's so many things that we can point to and when they start to to wonder about the origin of goodness and then to recognize help people to recognize that it's not as something that's like way back when at the beginning of things only right but rather it's a continuous sort outsourcing if you will a continuous flow of goodness that's here and now and to to invite people to recognize that the fact that since god has to continually think about me he has to constantly be present here in order for me to exist let alone to live therefore he's he's attentive to me 24 7 mm-hmm. and therefore i can turn to him uh in in any moment in any situation and recognize that so miracles you know wonderful things that happen uh can really truly you know point a person to to that presence yeah i think of um when you speak about miracles which honestly that's that's not always one that that occurs to people i think there's a there's a new book by father robert spitzer called new proofs for the existence of god and he it's uh, contributions of contemporary physics and philosophy. So we'll go into astrophysics and, and all these different realms where the, the very elite seem to think that that's their turf and therefore they can you know, take down the notion of God based on all these burgeoning sciences, right? And Spitzer goes right into the midst of that and shows how they actually point toward God. And interestingly in that, he points to these near-death experiences as one of the proofs where there's simply no explanation for what people see and know and witness while they're dead on their way out of their body um, and come back to life and then have this knowledge that no one else was aware of or else that, that there's no way that they could have known it. So that's one of the, the great resources I think of with that. And then another one would be Dr. Peter Kreef's Handbook of Christian Apologetics where he's just so uh, precise in his thought on uh, explaining how it really must be so 
in in one sense of of how God exists, right? And there are other scientists as well. There's a Michael Barr who's written about uh, faith and physics, uh, along the lines that uh, Father Spitzer writes, uh, that really points to the discoveries, the recent, especially recent discoveries in in astrophysics and other mm-hmm. um, sciences, where there is simply no rational, reasonable mm-hmm. way right. of explaining the phenomena that they're able to to recognize, uh, other than positing that there is an outside agent who's independent of everything and who is the cause, the free cause of all of that. Right. And so it's it's remarkable how science is increasingly, uh, really good science mm-hmm. is increasingly pointing the way to a rediscovery of faith. Right. You find that in the face of modern science, it takes more faith to disbelieve in God than it does to believe in him. It really does. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have another question on Facebook. We have Diane, and she asks, if I only believe there is a God, but not in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, can I be saved? Well, that's a great question to ask him. <laughs> um, I, I think I think what's important is is that for every person um, to realize that first of all, God meets us where we are. He meets us in the place of faith, uh, to whatever degree that we can entrust our lives in, into His hands, and to and to take seriously at the same time uh, that. Because he meets us where we are, uh, he also loves us where we are, and that love invites us higher. And so, therefore, uh, implied in that is that, you know, if God the Father loves us so greatly, uh, he's going to want us also to receive the fullness of what we have been offered by his love. Mm -hmm. And so, a great thing would be to simply... um, to bring that question to him. I mean, really, mm-hmm. to pray about that and ask him, ask him about his son, Jesus. Ask mm-hmm. him, what what is the point of him sending his son? Really engage with the Lord about that. The, undeniably, you know, Jesus Christ did exist historically. He lived and, and affected the world in a, in a dramatic way. And for uh, it's a great opportunity to really explore that in the relationship with God in prayer to really find out what does God, what is he saying mm-hmm. to you uh, in and through his son? Yeah. You know, I just have a comment too about that. Um, even the question, can I be saved? It, it, it implies to me that Diane, if she's asking the question or whoever's asking the question, mm-hmm wants to be saved and is curious about it. So there's a movement in the heart already that God is affecting. A sense so, of a need for salvation at right, all. Yeah, right, right. So there's something there. We want to hear from you listeners. What is the question on your mind or heart? Please call in 877-795-0122 or you can send questions and comments to us through Facebook, which is one of the primary ways we get those. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. I don't know if you had any more uh, No, no, your, your comment was great. It was, was absolutely true because the, the desire for salvation is a gift from Him. Mm-hmm. And, and But every gift, and especially every good desire such as that is an invitation to bring that desire directly to the Lord right mm-hmm. and to see to allow the Lord in a sense to unpack it like well what why did he give mm-hmm. you know whether it's Diane or some other person why did he why would he give a person that gift what's well, in order to to invite them and draw them closer to himself for the next step, if you will, right. uh, of greater of greater intimacy with you. Sometimes people ask the question, Monsignor, that Diane asked, because, well, as an academic question, other times as a very personal question about people that are in their lives. Um, and it could be someone who 
you know, they're they're a Buddhist. They're an atheist. It was raised in an atheist home. They've never really encountered Jesus, and it just doesn't. It seems like kind of a farce to them, or or you know, they're they're a devout believer of some other religion, and they've never really encountered God. So sometimes people will ask the question in terms of, well, what does God think about these people that have never really had, in one sense, the the chance to to know Jesus. Uh, what does the church say about that, Monsignor? Well, God loves every person with an unconditional love. It's mm-hmm. it, the, their particular, uh, you know, upbringing or faith background uh, has no bearing, no revel- right. re- relevance as to whether or not God loves a person. Yep. His love is universal. It's absolute. It's unconditional. It's for each and every single human person that ever has existed, lived in this world, and ever will. And that there's nothing that, that will ever change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his desire for that person, though, is that they would know the fullness of his goodness and be enabled to receive that. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's not as though he, he's just fine with them being where they are. Uh, he always wants more for us. Right. He always wants more. And, and, it's, and essentially, what is he saying? He, he wants more goodness. Mm-hmm. He, he wants more happiness. He wants more love, more peace. And he, he did give that to us in a full way in his son, Jesus. And so someone who's never had that opportunity, his desire, and if you might say the, the prayer of his fatherly heart, is that that person would encounter Jesus, his mm-hmm. son, that through Christians somehow that uh, the the good news would be proclaimed. Because honestly, uh, as you look around the world, uh, people who do not know him, who are not able to be, for whatever reason, um, you know, in, in, a, in a, a process of being a disciple, um, encounter great difficulties in life. And there's tremendous suffering and tremendous yes. challenges that seem unresolvable and seem to, um, there seem to be no answers for. And yet Christ gives us answers to every human dilemma, to every human challenge and every human problem. Yeah. And he's the only one who does that. Absolutely. So call in to get on the phone with Monsignor Gregory Schlossman during this um, this celebration of the, we'll call it the Feast of Salvation, right? As we're preparing for Easter. So call in with 877-795-0122 or submit your question on Facebook for Monsignor Schlossman. This could be, um, you know, surrounding issues like we've heard from the first two callers, being Christ to others in the world today. You know, how do I go about that? How do I... Call uh, go go about calling and inviting others into this encounter that that maybe haven't experienced that before. Um, how do we renew our the fire of our faith these last few days of Lent as we prepare for Easter? That's that can be another question that someone might throw out there. Um, people could ask for reflections on the readings today. You know, so there's there's a whole gamut of of uh, areas that you can delve into by calling in at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Um, so, Monsignor, we, we do have a question that was submitted asking, why couldn't the universe have existed forever instead of being created by God? That's a great question, and actually a question that's been asked many, many times over the centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, the basic reason is is that there's no, there's no reason why the universe would exist at all mm-hmm. unless there was some um, power, some agent who's capable of starting it in the first place. So there's no way, really, that there would be anything Mm -hmm. unless it had a beginning. 
because it's contingent. Right. It's it's partial. It's not absolute. And anything that's partial or contingent depends upon something else. Mm -hmm. And the entire universe, without exception, the entire cosmos is essentially contingent and everything in it, with the only exception being God. Yeah. And that's me, because God is both outside of it, uh, completely and absolutely transcendent to the universe, as well as imminent in the sense that he has to be present everywhere in order to, to maintain it in existence. All right. Well, we have a question submitted on Facebook. Richard on Facebook asks, why is the Passion also read on Palm Sunday rather than just focusing on Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem? It seems out of sequence. That's a good, another great question. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason, I think the basic reason is this, is that Holy Week, the entire week, is an invitation by the Church's liturgy for us to really ponder the mystery of Jesus' Passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, the reading of his passion is uh, introduces us to that because it's inseparable from his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Why is he going into Jerusalem? It's in order to die. Yeah. And he, what is the nature of his triumph? Uh, it's it's the nature of the suffer the triumph of the suffering servant of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's the royal son of David who conquers, who is victorious, and that's what the palms signify. It's rooted in Jewish tradition, uh, the, the Jewish feast of Sukkoth. There's a lot of reminiscence for, for a Jewish audience mm -hmm. when they think about palms. Um, but that victory, and this is the, the, uh, the great mystery that unfolds before our eyes in Holy Week, is that the victory, the royal son of David, who you know, claims authority, does so by offering his life in his suffering and his death. Mm. And therefore, it's this joining together of victory and royalty and power with the powerlessness, with the self-sacrificing gift of self in, in the apparent complete defeat of Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And it's that what helps, you know, what basically sends the message to, to the Jewish people and they're through them, through the, you know, to the Gentiles, that the Messiah is not a worldly Messiah. He's a Messiah according to the mind and the heart of God. That's awesome. It's a great paradox of Christianity, right? That it's, it's victory through defeat, in a sense, that, that's really central to the entire Christian message. So call in. We invite all of you listeners to call in at 877-795-0122 to get on the phone with Monsignor Gregory Schlossman or submit your question on Facebook. This is actually a really wonderful conversation. At least I'm loving this, <laughs> every, every moment of it. Um, you know, with the with the, the Palm Sunday kind of dichotomy or paradox there, it was interesting. Bishop Folda had uh, his homily on, on Palm Sunday at the cathedral. He spoke of two processions. You know, at the beginning of the Mass, we process in with palms. And already, you know, by the Gospel, we're struck with that procession of the way of the cross and that we're cr crying out, crucify. And we began by saying, you know, the Son of David, you know, hail to the Son of David. I, f I forget the exact. Hosanna. Hosanna to the, to the Son of David, the King of Israel. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then, you know, what, 10, 15 minutes later, we're, we're shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. And so it seems to me that Palm Sunday is also a, a reminder to us of how fickle our hearts are, how we constantly need to be, it's not enough to just accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior and then my work is done. It's a whole lifelong process of laying my heart at the feet of Christ. And even after I've done that once, I still want to pick it up and, and go off my own way so many times throughout the course of my life. And so it reminds us of how frail 
we are and how much we can, need to continuously be turning our hearts and our minds to Jesus, right? But also, yes, absolutely. But I would also add that it's also a reminder that, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, Jesus meets us where we are. Yeah. And he meets us precisely in our in our fickle hearts. Yes. He, where, where we are unfaithful, where we are... Um, hesitant, where we're reluctant, where we resist. And there's so many different ways in which we don't allow God in, and that's where he meets us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a contradiction, but it's actually really just a paradox where he places himself at the very place where we seem to not want him to be. Yes, And he, he awaits us there and asks us to let him in, asks us you know, to let him be with us so that we can be with him. You said fickle. I was thinking we have short attention spans, yeah. you know. And coming back to Squirrel. some of the <laughs> the news and the nat international world, we've seen the, the Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just you know, honestly, it only was this year. I'm showing my ignorance that I realized that Notre Dame means Our Lady. <laughs> it just had not, not, never been mm. something that occurred to me before. Mm -hmm. But just that, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts about what's going on there with uh, the the world and how that's how that can help us right here locally, mm -hmm. kind of reignite and remember with our short attention span, what we are, what, what's at risk here, right? It can all go down in flames. It, it can, it can. In fact, um, many years ago, so I studied in Brussels, Belgium for theology, and many of the, a good number of the priests currently in, in the Archdiocese of Paris are, are, are those that I studied with, and a number of them have remained as mm. friends. And uh, I can remember one of them telling me a story, Cardinal Lustiger, Jean-Marie Lustiger, he was a the Cardinal Archbishop of Paris for a good number of years. And in the times of my study, he was he was there in, in Paris. And at one point, on one occasion, he was with seminarians and they were standing outside of Notre Dame. And uh, they were admiring, you know, it's a remarkable, mm -hmm. you know, remarkable church, yeah. uh, Basilica. And uh, and they were simply expressing some, you know, you know, admiration as the, as they ought to, uh, and and the cardinal simply said something to the effect that, uh, but don't forget, all this shall pass, and what matters mm -hmm. is is the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. almost like, I, I as soon as I saw the news about the fire, it was mm -hmm. it was almost like there was a prophetic word mm -hmm. in the cardinal mm -hmm. um, where he recognized that as beautiful and he mm -hmm. loved the cathedral. It wasn't mm -hmm. like he didn't love, right. you know, had a great love for Notre Dame, but uh, it's 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 a building um, that ultimately points to. It's a sign, yeah. like so much of the sacraments mm -hmm. are signs. It's it points to uh, an interior spiritual reality, and I think that's why Notre Dame, the actual physical building, is so important. Yes, it's not as though because it's physical, it's not important. Right. It's that it's it's a it's a reminder, and this particular church is an incredibly important reminder. You know, for eight hundred years, it has stood as a monument to faith. Right. And a reminder to the French people, a reminder to the people in Europe, a reminder really to to the you know the world. to the world because mm -hmm. they get like what what is it twelve million visitors a year? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a place where even as they say in France, you know, even an atheist will go to pray when in 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 great moments mm -hmm. when. You know, like at the end of World War II, you know, when they were liberated, you know, nine eleven, nine eleven. I mean, there's so it's 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 like a place where God um, has touched the hearts of people in Europe and especially in France in such a powerful way that it remains this sacred mm -hmm. space to meet God. And I think it's so perfect that it's Notre Dame, that it's Our Lady, um, because she really is. Uh, the the place where we can encounter the Lord in in a marvelous way. 
So I, I'm, you know, it's sad. You know, um, I, I got a couple of emails from some of my friends, and they were, you know, certainly, you know, in shock and yeah. and and saddened by by the destruction. At the same time, uh, concern for the safety of you know the firefighters. I think there was. Uh, I think one person who was who was injured, and thankfully no more than that, and no no fatalities that I've heard of. Um, but also, you know, just this spirit that we have to rebuild this, we have to reconstruct in order to preserve this place of encounter with God. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, I, it. Might have a revitalizing effect for the French people yeah. in terms of their faith. Uh, Let's pray. And 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 I think it can be a reminder to us as well is that um, what's most important is that which is interior. At the same time, those physical places like our churches, like our cathedral, yeah. you know, here at St. Mary, dedicated mm-hmm, to right. Our Lady, um, is is a place where we can encounter God in a marvelous way. And so how important it is for us to spend time in church, yes. to even just drop in, you know, if I have 10 minutes, and spend some time with Jesus who is there waiting for us, who's available who's ready to meet us wherever, whatever's going on in our lives, whatever's happening, he wants to be there with us. And what a tremendous gift and privilege it is that we can do this, because it's actually not permitted in every part of the world today. Right, exactly. We don't have that freedom. And it's a a freedom that we should never take for granted. I'm curious if anyone out there has been to Notre Dame and what your thoughts might be or any other question that you have. We still have a little bit of time. We want to take advantage of our time with Monsignor Schlesselman. (laughs) (laughs) So please call 877-795-0122. My spell check caught your name, but I still still have a hard time getting all those S's out. (laughs) A lot of people just call me Monsignor S. That works too. So Monsignor, as you were talking about the the experience of the the seminarians outside Notre Dame and uh, the priests and talking about how this is passing, it, it reminded me of the gospel narrative where the apostles are marveling at the temple, right? And Jesus says, I tell you, not one stone will be left on top of another. Uh, a foreshadowing of not only the destruction of the temple, but the destruction of Christ's own body. And you talked about how it's, in, it's not that it's unimportant because it's physical. I mean, any more than the body of Jesus is unimportant in its physicality. Um, but it's that, that very gift that becomes the source of, of new life, right? And so we find that in our, in our churches, we have this physical locale where we encounter the most profound spiritual realities imaginable. Well, beyond imagination, honestly, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. And it's also, it's remarkable how when we get things right in terms of priority, when we think, when we acknowledge the truth that the spirit is more important than, mm. than matter, what happens is we take great care of that which is physical. Mm. I mean, the reason mm-hmm. why there is such a thing as Notre Dame, you know, in Paris is because people believed. It's a monument to faith in mm-hmm. Christ where they sacrificed, they, they made, you know, obviously invested, mm-hmm. you know, they, they spent almost, you know, I think just shy of 200 years to, to complete this edifice. The people believed and therefore wanted to express their faith. Mm-hmm. And it's when the reverse is true that we, we discard the physical, actually. Right. When yeah, we exactly. get rid of one, we get rid of both. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we have to keep that order correct 
you know, the, the Lord is first. You know, the human spirit is more important than that which is physical. And when we keep those priorities straight, it's remarkable how um, this world, we take care of things that are physical. We take care of places, physical places like our churches. Mm-hmm. We take care especially of our bodies. We take care, which are the living temples of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's, it's, it's so I think it's it's beautiful that God will bring out of people, probably because of this event, mm-hmm. um, a, re, a sharp reminder of what's really important yes, and what really is something we need to focus on. Well, we still have a couple minutes left that you could call in to get probably a question with Monsignor Gregory Sussman, maybe two. If you call in 877-795-0122, that's 877-795-0122. 0122, or you can submit a question on Facebook. Monsignor, as you were talking about how if you if you cast aside either the, sp- the spiritual or the physical, you lose them both. And, you know, in working for nearly two decades now with RCIA, that's usually one of the early points that I'll talk to people as they're coming to the Catholic Church, is the Catholic faith is such a tangible, visceral, sensual faith in one sense that we experience it not just, it's not just a spiritual thing. It's not just, you know, my heart going to Jesus. There's that, certainly, but it's through my whole being, through my body. And what time is more rich in that reality than this Holy Week as we enter into the Triduum, right? You experience the the suffering, the death of Jesus. You experience in the Easter Vigil, we basically go through all of human history, you know, from the, the dawn of creation with the fire outside, right? And then you have your candles and, and uh, you go through the readings which span human history, the fallenness and the yearning for a Redeemer, and eventually the, the coming of Christ in the in uh, Christmas, in the, the epistle, right, where the lights go on and the bells start ringing and the gospel. It's just, it's such a, a tangible faith, and it's, it's just glorious. It really is. I mean, it's the principle of the incarnation, is that yeah. God God became one of us. He mm. became flesh. He, you know, the Word uh, became flesh and, and pitched His tent among us, yeah. as, the, as the text <laughs> actually says. And I think it's so, you're absolutely right, Holy Week is so rich. Every single Holy Thursday with the washing of the feet, yes. Good Friday, the, the laying down, we lay down on the ground, you know, in adoration, uh, we kiss... Uh, venerate uh, a crucifix and as you mentioned in, in the easter vigil we we walk through the entire history of salvation mm-hmm. and then we walk to the baptismal font yeah and welcome you know those who have recognized that that invitation to faith by jesus and have said yes and so it's a it's a marvelous experience there's a parallel locally too to what's going on internationally with saint francis de sales yeah, and moorhead right. with what they've gone gone through i um did a uh, doing a story that'll be out on easter sunday kind of about that and about mm-hmm. their easter uh, paschal candle that they've been making for 35 years, but um, I've thought a lot about what they went through and how, because of this mistake with mass being called off yeah. by accident, oh, they, really? lives were spared. Yeah, you'll you'll on Easter Sunday you'll read about that. But anyway, it's kind of right here. We have it right here where people locally are having to have mass at different churches and have their events at different places, and how they've had to grapple with that reality too. That they're still here, the faith is still here. You know, as I was talking to them, same mm. reality there. So it's, it is local in that <laughs> way too. So. But yeah, so I, I guess I would invite anyone who hasn't gone to the Triduum liturgies. If you can, this is the, the remarkable thing. I love this season because it, it's both, when I say the Triduum, it's actually the church's own, it's another liturgical season. You've got ordinary time, you've got Easter, you've got Lent, you've got Advent, and all, you know, all that. But the Triduum, Holy Thursday through Easter Sunday, right, is, is the, the church's long, uh, shortest um, liturgical season, but it's also the church's longest liturgy. 
right? Because it begins on Holy Thursday, but you don't actually have a conclusion. And then Good Friday, not really a beginning, not really an ending. And the Easter Vigil then has this kind of glorious consummation of what began on Holy Thursday, right? It's kind of a continuous liturgy for three days, actually, in many it ways. Is. Yes, it is. Yeah, And it Lent ends today so that we can enter into mm. that, that great experience of the Holy Trinity. It's, uh, it's really an awesome experience. So if you haven't, I encourage you to, to take in the Triduum liturgies as much as you can. Give us a quick blessing. We have time. <laughs> Certainly. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows, and St. Joseph, and all the patron angels and saints, may God grant your blessing, blessing upon all the listeners. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Monsignor. Okay. Thanks we'll time. be right back. Stay with us. The 34th Annual Bike Race and Ride between the NDSU and UND Newman Centers is Saturday, April 27th from 8 a.m. till noon. To 